Settle down, have a seat, class is in session. Hello and welcome to this episode of Marvel School for Dummies. Uh, I am your professor, Liren Jass. I'm joined as always by my co-professor, Jordan Deeb. And our lovely student, Victoria Lyman. And uh, this week is our first lecture on Jessica Jones, the second Netflix show um, that uh, we're watching the first season because um, chronologically the first season of Jessica Jones happens just after slash concurrently with uh, Daredevil, Daredevil. Uh, season one. So Jessica Jones uh, premiered November 20th, 2015 and uh ended in on June 14th, 2019, uh, created by Melissa Rosenberg, who also served as the head writer, which I'm going to give us a little early fun fact. She is also the woman who wrote all of the Twilight movies. Um, Amazing. True fact. Uh, Melissa Rosenberg wrote the Twilight movies. And honestly, not going to lie, she did the best she could with the source material she was provided. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um. Listen, because we've all taken survival jobs before. <laughs> yep, and you know what? And as cringy as this is the skin of a killer or whatever the fuck he says when Bella calls his skin beautiful, like that happens in the book. She couldn't not put it. That's his response. Yeah. Like that's not on her. Yeah. Um. It is made up just like Daredevil. It is made up of thirty nine forty five ish minutes up ep- minute episodes, and the first season's tagline was "It's time the world knew her name." Um, it was originally supposed to be called AKA Jessica Jones that changed and to just Jessica Jones and, um, AKA just got added to all of the episode titles. Um, it is a reference to the fact that the comics about Jessica Jones that the show is based on were called alias. Um, and we'll get there. Uh, how do you like it so far, Victoria? This is my favorite show. This is my favorite character. I love Jessica Jones. I'm so excited. (laughs) Yeah, okay. And I need I need to preface that by like maybe uh people who listen can't like totally pull this off just cuz like they don't physically know Learen, but like I got 2 minutes into this show and I said, "Oh, I get why this is Learen's favorite." It's just Jessica Jones like is a Learen character like to a T. Like, just the mannerisms, the way she speaks, the way she acts. Like, it, you look a little bit like Kristen Ritter. Like, yeah. it's More than a just, little. Yeah. I would it's, like to point out, though, that I do dye my hair black, but I looked it up on Instagram. I dyed my hair black before the show came out. Yes, yeah. No, you did. No. Oh, I'm going to wait for um, her. Yeah. Um, you and her are truly, like, same woman, different font. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, um, I freely admit that <laughs> I'm I'm having fun so far. This feels a lot more straightforward than Daredevil. Like it doesn't feel like all over the place. But also, we're only four episodes in, so like maybe something will change. Who knows? Um, no, it's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty concise. Um, it's a lot it's a more very, direct. Yeah, it's a very linear plot. There isn't like a lot She's of like got a excess, goal, and that's yeah. really what for here is like yeah. you know yeah i would just say that's kind of like both what the care like the characters and the villains just lend themselves to that yeah inherently yeah um so jordan any thoughts before we 
what's funny is when I originally watched Daredevil season one and Jessica Jones season one, it was around March. So they've been coming up in my Facebook like uh, memory things. Mm hmm. And what I, I remember writing after, like when I watched the finale of Daredevil season one, it was like it was like one o'clock in the morning. And instead of going to bed, I just went, oh, Jessica Jones, like season one, episode one. So went straight in. Love the show. I, for the most part, uh, at the best, love the Netflix shows. And at the worst, like eh, watched the Netflix shows. So like yeah. I got nothing bad to say. I do think with Jessica Jones, season one is the best one. Um, yes. I've mentioned, we'll, I don't but we'll like get there. We'll I don't get even to the want others to talk about it there. right now. Um, I don't want to talk about it yet. Uh, I don't want to sully, sully anything. All right. Um, so without further ado, let's hop right into, uh, the pilot, which is AKA ladies night. Um, my notes are a little all over the place. I'm apologizing <laughs> for that right now. The show opens with Jessica throwing a man through her window. <laughs> Uh, essentially she's giving a monologue about how she's a PI. Her job is to dig up dirt on people. Um, and basically she's really, really good at it. An unsatisfied customer is mad that she, even though the man hired her to find out if his wife was cheating, when she got him the evidence that his wife was cheating, he got mad at Jessica. And it's just like, my guy, I feel like you should be, you hired her for this purpose. Why aren't you prepared? Well, she says that in the monologue where she's just like, you know, some people get angry and want to shoot the messenger. Yeah, like, goddamn. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we find out that she is um, a PI doing her thing. We very quickly find out that she drinks a lot. Uh, we also get a sex scene real, like, quick out the gate um, with a delightful man we will be introduced to as the series goes on. I don't think we learn his name in this scene. Um, no. I no. also, I don't know why, I don't know why it, I thought it, they didn't fuck till like the second or third episode. I forgot that they fucked in the pilot. I think she fucks him. I think that's who she has sex with in the pilot. Because it's the pilot, the opening of the pilot follows the opening of the very first Alias Investigations comic very closely. And that comic opens with her throwing the guy through the door and then two pages later having anal sex with Luke Cage. <laughs> it, this was like. I know the, I'm yes. a professor, but I have a question. How did <laughs> the comics make it specific that it was anal? Jessica's in a lot of pain. And makes a like glib comment about looking for something that hurts. And so there were a lot of people that thought it was just a very fucked up stereotype about Luke. Um, and then the writer, I believe, confirmed that they're having anal in that scene. Good. Good. Um, this is literally, though, like the roughest sex scene I've ever seen on TV. <laughs> This is also why Here I got or in episode because I feel like it gets worse. Like in episode three is where it's like Jesus yeah. Christ, I think guys. It just it because I wasn't. It just feels thrown in my face all of a sudden. So then after that, I was okay. I was like, no, I expect that there'll be rough sex I'm for the rest now. of the season. Yeah. yeah. See, um, I, I it didn't catch me by surprise because I first saw Kirsten Ritter in a Breaking Bad, so saw a lot, her do a lot of weird things. Lots so this shit. show. A lot of, lot of wild shit. Sorry, choking her own vomit. Rest in peace. Spoilers for a 10-year-old show. Um, but also, um, this is why I got mad when outlets were like, Eternals has the first sex scene in the MCU. I was like, how dare we forget? 
This is Jessica Jones erasure. Um, Also in this kind of like monologue, we learned that a bus accident happened about a year ago where something Jessica was there and something bad happened and has caused her to have PTSD. But we don't know like for sure what it is. Um, so yeah, we see the guy throw her through the, she, her throw the guy through the door. We then see her go back to Hogarth, Chow, and Benowitz, um, to meet with Jerry Hogarth, a, uh, lawyer that she freelances for looking for a new assignment. Um, Hogarth asks her to go serve a subpoena to Gregory Spheris, a strip club club owner who has like a fuck ton of bodyguards with guns. Everybody's afraid of him. It's a whole thing. Um, nobody can get close. Uh, so Jessica goes back to her apartment. We're shown even further that her apartment's kind of a dump as she's like coming in her neighbors upstairs and yeah. Which, okay. I couldn't figure out. She just works out of her apartment, right? Yes. Like, okay. Cause I was like, is her apartment an office or is her office an apartment? It took me way too long to like figure out what was going on. She was it is the an first apartment from building. Home, babe. Yeah. She works yeah. at home. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then, you know, she's in her apartment. She can't sleep because her neighbors upstairs are arguing. We'll fucking get to them. Um, <laughs> then she hears a noise in her apartment and finds her neighbor, Malcolm. I don't remember if it's Ducasse or Dukakis. Uh, I think it's so. Ducasse, the first one. Ducasse. Um, he is high as shit on what is implied to be heroin um, and is stealing peanut butter. What I love is we will later go into Malcolm's uh, apartment and see him drinking a very bougie Brooklyn IPA. And it's just interesting to me that while this man is a heroin addict, he's also a beer snob. Well, we also, I mean, he talks about stealing a TV, so maybe he stole the beer. Still. Um, because like, let me tell you, I will give somebody all my beer plus more right before I give them my TV. There is a lot of shitty beers though that you would steal before you steal like a nice bougie beer, you know? (laughs) A nice IPA. Um, it's easiest to scare the hipsters. Jessica, anyways, Jessica opens the door uh, to bring Malcolm back to his apartment down the hall and is met by Bob and Barbara Schlotman, who want her to help, want to hire her to help find their daughter, Hope, a track star from who was attending New York University, who has abruptly changed her routine, stopped talking to her parents and like kind of essentially disappeared. Um, Jessica kind of like kind of takes the case like isn't super like into it or not into it it's just very clearly a paycheck at this point um so we cut to the next day but she agrees they're gonna send her basically like all of her credit crap and like shit to try and see where hope might be uh we cut to the next day where jessica is using her super strength as we see um, to intimidate Spheris by holding his moving car still. This is still one of my favorite scenes. Her just picking up the car and the wheels going is so, like... It's really funny. Ooh, I love it. Um, she serves him the subpoena. Uh, Jessica goes back to Hogarth to verify payment. And um, 
we find out very quickly that Jerry is cheating on her wife with her secretary, Pam. I, I have I have a line in, in my notes that just says, how many lovers does the queer woman have? Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to answer that directly. What I will say is, uh, Leanne, when we were getting ready to, to do this after Dale or Devil, and I was just kind of like remembering Jessica Jones in my head. And almost like a That's So Raven vision, I remembered all of the B-plots with Jerry Hogarth, and I'm not Jerry ready. Fucks. Go, she fucks, like literally. But also Good just like all the, all the other stuff that happens to her. And yeah, like, I have like a almost- vague memory of some stuff that happens in season two that I remember being like, huh. <laughs> but we'll get there. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, we're breaking, we're, I like that. We're staying with one stereotype of like the rich lawyer schlepping the secretary, but we're we're making it modern because they're gay. Yeah. <laughs> and women. And women. Which I think I clear I think the way I described it to you once was Jerry Hogarth is the type of person I think of when I hear gay woman Republican. <laughs> like, think about it. Think about it. No, you know, like it's it's a it's a vibe. It's a vibe. Um, hang on. <laughs> if, like, um, if somebody was like, "How can you be both?" If someone was like, "How can you be gay? How can you be a woman and still be a Republican?" Be like, hey, Jerry Hogarth. Jerry, Jerry Hogarth. May I present to you Gerald Hogarth? Or, I don't know. I don't think Geraldine? Jerry. When you're, oh yeah, maybe Geraldine. But it's spelled with a J, and I've never seen Geraldine spelled with a J. Um, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, so then we cut to what is arguably the creepiest thing that Jessica does, uh, where she is watching Luke Cage and the women he brings home. Uh, we will eventually find out why, but not yet, so it just seems weird for a minute. Well, I think you're supposed to at first think that she was paid by one of the two one of the ladies uh, well either either of their spouses like you don't know at that point who either of them really are and so you're just like oh one of the spouses is paying for this to get caught eh. um but then while she's peering into the window of luke's bar luke sees her tells her that it's ladies night to get her to walk in um jessica ends up staying till close and then her and luke, luke fuck and she freaks out when she finds the photo a photo of a woman in his like medicine cabinet in his bathroom which that's where I keep all the photos of my women. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like I'm fine with her finding the photos, and we find out in this episode we will cover why it spooks her, but not in this episode of Marvel School for Dummies. We will cover why this photo spooks her, but like they're not dealing with it yet. But like the thing I always get stuck on is why is this in your bathroom? I have a theory. yeah. What? I don't think he wants a picture of his uh, deceased wife near his bedstand while he's fucking, but I think You mean like shrinking? Spoilers for shrinking, but you mean like shrinking? Exactly. But I also think he wants to see his wife every day. So like in the morning when he would normally see her before going to work, she's there with his toothbrush and his his razor and shaving cream. It's like he still gets to see her every morning, but she doesn't have to be there when he's defiling the insides of a very tiny woman. Ew. 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 It didn't need to be like that. (laughs) Um, don't don't that. Um. Anyway, I'm just moving on. Um. So we cut back to Jessica at her apartment using credit card data to follow uh the things Hope has bought. 
um, to discover that she hasn't paid the rent on her off-campus apartment, but she is buying expensive clothes and lingerie. Uh, her credit card also shows a charge from Niku, an expensive restaurant, um, and she begins to understand the pattern. Her uh, previous... I'm going to call call him abuser for now. We'll get into what he is as we go on. But for now, I'm just going to call him an abuser. Kilgrave is still alive, even though Jessica thought he died a year ago and is duplicating uh, their dating rituals and all the places they went together. This very clearly freaks Jessica out. She goes back to her apartment um, and is packing a bag to flee and advises Hope's parents to do the same. Um. She needs money to get out of town, so she's going up to different people trying to get cash. She goes to Malcolm for some reason, which <laughs> I don't understand. I still like, don't why? understand why going to Malcolm. Um, it, that man don't have any money for you. <laughs> maybe he had a plane ticket worth of heroin she could sell. I guess. Um, but uh, Jessica ends up going to Trish Walker, uh, her best friend and radio celebrity who is like loaded because she was also a child star. It's a whole fucking thing. Um, I have to not let my feelings about where Trisha's storyline goes in season two and three uh, affect, affect my one. opinion of her in season one. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. I'm gonna. I'm keeping that up just here keep that to the back <laughs> of your head. Uh, because whoa. <laughs> anyway, um, so she gets the money. Uh, however, Jessica decides to visit one more place. She goes to a hotel where. She- we see that the doorman is very familiar with her, knows exactly who she is. She goes up to a room, breaks in. Obviously, she has super strength and finds Hope in bed, having been unable to move for five hours. Um, she's in lingerie. She's crying. She's wet the bed. Um, Jessica throws a blanket on her and carries her out of the room. Uh, sometimes later, Jessica and Hope are talking with uh, Jessica letting Hope know that nothing Kilgrave made her do was her fault. Hope's parents arrive to get their daughter to return to Nebraska, and Joan and Jessica uh, decides that she's done being a private investigator. She's going to run, start a new life somewhere else. Um, as the elevator doors are closing, she sees Hope smile and reveal a gun. By the time Jessica gets to the ground floor and the elevator opens, Hope has shot both of her parents dead. Hope turns around and tells Jessica to smile because she's much prettier when she smiles. As Hope regains her senses and begins screaming in horror at the obliterated bodies of her parents, Jesus fucking Christ, um, Jessica goes running out of the building. Um, A taxi stops, but she decides she's not going to flee Kilgrave. It's time for her to fight. And we get one of my favorite lines um, from Jessica Jones, which is about um, if something's bothering you, you can either run away from it or uh, do something about it, which is the same thing she says at the beginning of the episode. I fucking love the way this show is put together. I'm obsessed with it. Like the purple and like how that's used throughout the entire show is like. Yeah. That's a really, ah! it's a really good line. Yeah. And she has so many like, oh my God, I fucking love her. We'll get to another like scene that I'm fucking obsessed with in the show. But. um, Shooting her parents in the elevator was another scene that came to me in the middle of the night. I was like, oh, fuck, forgot that happened. <laughs> oh, and- no, I don't forget that happened. Partly because Hope is played by the girl who play- now plays Aaron Moriarty, who now plays yeah. Starlight in The Boys. And yeah. there's another big character in The Boys played by somebody who's in Jessica Jones. And, like, Jordan, just wait. <laughs> um, Yeah. So... 
jumping right into the second episode, aka Crush Syndrome. Um, these are this is the other thing. Much like Daredevil, my episode breakdowns are gonna be a little short because big chunks of the show are Jessica watching people, which like yeah. that's the whole sentence. Jessica watches, watches. insert person. Like, yeah. Um, um I think that's what makes this like such an easy watch too is like there's not like a ton going on so i'm like okay i can like breathe a little bit while she's like creeping around again jessica has a goal and like her oh she is a singular goal in the show so like it's lovely um so this episode opens with jessica in a new york city police department precinct being interviewed by oscar clemens played by an actor from the wire i never remember his name but he's in the wire and he's delightful (laughs) um because she was the only witness to hope schlotman's murdering her parents um during his interrogation he reveals that he uh went into her apartment slash office and took photos that jessica had taken of luke cage without a warrant so uh jessica demands the return of her property since it has nothing to do with the double homicide and they had no right to go into her apartment because her apartment's not a crime scene uh while trying to alert cage about what might be coming down on him because the cops found these pictures and now think it's somehow connected jessica goes to see the police have already gone to the bar uh luke tells jessica that he no longer wants her around because he like he's not into drama he's just constantly like i'm not into drama okay (laughs) i know he's like i I don't want to i don't want to be involved don't involve me in this shit um this like a true new yorker yeah this scene though is like where i started to realize some of the camera angles are like funky on this show well because it's supposed to feel like if you've ever watched like black and white neo-noir movies yeah it's supposed to be like a lot like that yeah i kind of understood that was what they were going for but it feels like out of place i guess i don't know it's also supposed to i've heard the like some of the directors talk about it later on that it was like an artistic choice especially in the first season because as we find out later on like she's being stalked yeah so like you suddenly feel like you're watching her from these very different like creepy angles where like even though it's television like yeah you're watch you're watching somebody but it like it feels like you're watching someone without their permission yeah i I also enjoy that it picked a style yeah i was I felt like maybe there was some sort of symbolism too with the fact that she's a private investigator like i was like like, i guess that like (laughs) noir kind of thing and i just i appreciate that like melissa rosenberg had a had a vision and And like went with it it wasn't like oh this is a netflix project or oh this is a marvel project she was like no this is like a vision i have and it it takes heavily from the comics because the comics are very dark and very like neo-noir and like that kind of vibe and jessica says that she was hired by gina uh gina's husband andre and Cage says, I don't mess around with married women. And she's like, well, Gina takes off her ring, um, which is gross. If you're ever taking off your ring, you're making and like you like are having the thought to yourself, I need to take off the ring. You've already made a mistake. Just yeah. turn <laughs> like just turn around and return to your house. <laughs> Unless you're like trying to close a really big sale where you feel like you got to flirt with the person and just no. leave that. <laughs> just. <laughs> 
<laughs> hey, listen, on. listen. If my mom, if, if my wife wants to take off the ring for like a few minutes to like bring home a big paycheck, go ahead. Don't ask me. Don't no, because do you know why I'm saying no? The issue isn't the ring. It's that your doubt, your response to that is like, yeah, do it when that is somebody objectifying your wife and giving your wife a deal because they think your wife is going to have sex with them. Like, that's not the, like, move you think it is. Fair. And we're also, we're on Jessica Jones, so there's going to be a lot of this because literally all of this entire show is an allegory for, like, what it is to be a woman. <laughs> like, Cage is still like, hey, you gotta leave. Um, fuck off, essentially. Um, so Jessica leaves. She is very upset. Um... We also see uh, Jessica like talk to Hope for like a hot minute, and then Jessica ends up going to Jerry, uh, asking her to take Hope's case because um, basically Hope is going to go to prison for something she like did, but like didn't yeah. do. Um, Jerry, honestly, if I was in Hope's situation, it would take a lot for me not to kill myself. I'm being serious. I don't know I if I'd be able to live with myself. I she's on suicide watch. Probably. Probably. But yeah, I don't know if I'd be able to live with myself like, after that. The government... The government has a vested interest in you being able to uh, stand trial for your crime. And, like, they may kill you later, but, like... I'll deal with that in a second. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, like, I don't... I imagine she's got a special little bracelet thing on at one point too. Like I think she's yeah. on suicide watch. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. Uh, Jerry refuses because she's a bitch <laughs> and is basically like, "I'm never gonna win this case, so I'm not okay. gonna take it unless uh, you provide evidence that she was like under." By the way, of somebody, you guys else. were saying before you were like, "Oh, like Geraldine or something." It's probably short for. It says on here that her it's short for Jaren. <laughs> well, because that's the guy's name. So in the comics, Jerry is a dude. Interesting. Um. That looks like though that that that's her name in this too. It's Jared, like spelt the exact same way. At least that's what yeah the MCU uh, fandom website says. <laughs> Good, um, but yeah. So on our way home, Jessica. Uh, Trish comes up to dress Jessica and's like, I'm worried about you. Like, you need to avoid Kilgrave. Like, da, 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 da. they go back to her apartment. Trish freaks out because I, I shouldn't make fun of Trish for this. Trish freaks out because Jessica's door is broken to shit and anyone could break in. And yes, while Jessica can handle it, you need to get yeah, the door get the fixed. door fixed, girl. Um. Jessica returns the money she borrowed and tells Trisha to avoid her so that Trish will not be harmed or forced to harm Jessica by Kilgrave. Uh, Trish is basically like pays to have the glass on her apartment door fixed and have the locks fixed because uh, Jessica won't move back in with Trish. Um, yeah. So Jessica's going back to, like, doing work, looking at all of this stuff, more stuff about a bus accident. We're getting, like, more insights on what's going on with um, 
all sorts of like shit. <laughs> and upstairs, her neighbors are screaming again. Uh, Jessica gets frustrated and goes upstairs to yell at her neighbor, Robin, and um, the other man in the apartment, Ruben, that she needs them to be quieter. They're screaming about making chicken cordon blue. It's very fucking weird. I think I wrote um, about four times in my notes that I hate the neighbors. <laughs> they're the worst. Um, Ruben is in tidy whities for some like god forsaken reason. Like, I don't know. Uh, Robin basically bad cosplay. Yeah. Uh, Robin is like, did you like you think we don't hear you like throwing that guy through the glass? Like, the, uh, so Jessica breaks their door in, grabs Robin by the throat, pins her to the wall, and threatens to kill her. <laughs> Truly, and it just like a little bit of an overreaction. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. Um, and she tells them to be quiet so that she can work in peace. Um, she goes back downstairs and, uh, remembers something else that Trish said to her about how does she plan to stop Kilgrave if they do end up meeting. Um, we see, uh, kind of in a flashback that Jessica believes Kilgrave was murdered. Um, oh yeah, by the way, also, fucking Hope, when Jessica's talking to her in prison, fucking Hope, like, it's like, Jessica's like, none of this is your fault. And she goes, yeah, it's fucking yours. Why didn't you make sure she was dead? And I was like, no, I don't know. No. I was like, I'm sorry. What? I was like, I know you're going through a lot, but come on. And I get what, I get what the allegory is. It's just like, crazy. Uh, I don't like it when people do it like in real yeah. life, you know, like, um, it's just like, come on, come on, my man. Um, so yeah, so um, Jessica was walking away while Kilgrave, who is revealed to be David Tennant, um, <laughs> screams at her to come okay, back. Okay, okay. The opening credits and like his name showed up, and I was like, I think I knew he was in this show, but like, I I might have blocked it out of my brain. And then like right away when I realized, I was like, Oh no, he's he's Kilgrave. He's the the creep. And I was like, Oh no. <laughs> It's a lot. <laughs> um, you know what I'd love to see, but I don't what? know how many people exist on either side. People who have watched Jessica Jones and before Jessica Jones only watched Harry Potter. And before just, and then the, another group of people who Jessica Jones only watched David Tennant's Doctor Who. Because I feel like you have two wildly different reactions. To, yeah. Just, yeah, because like, I don't know, I, me seeing him when I was like 12 years old going, hello, father, and like flicking his tongue up. <laughs> Like yeah, Which, every, again, every... I will argue about this till the day I die. Who approved that? I know it was David Tennant's idea to have like a nervous tick. Why? When that man came up to you and said that to you on set, why was your yes. answer? Yeah, let's do it. Like, so, but like, but like, I saw that, and like everything else he does in this season is like, to me, David Tennant only plays kind of fucked up people. <laughs> Yeah. But like I've seen clips of Doctor Who and he seems very wholesome. So to go from that to this, See, I want to Yeah, I don't people. I've never even seen I've never seen Harry Potter. I've never seen Doctor Who, but like yeah, my only knowledge of Harry Potter is a lot. My only knowledge of David Tennant is like him as the doctor, like just from like what I've seen on like Tumblr back in the day. So I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, I do have like a very like wholesome image of him. So I was like, oh no. <laughs> 
yeah, like it's just like what is happening? <laughs> Help. <laughs> um so yeah, Jessica is now on this path to research what Kilgrave may have been doing between the time that he was hit by the bus um and now. Uh as she's doing this, fucking Gina just bursts into the apartment and is like, my husband never hired you. You just want to fuck Luke. And so you're, it's very real housewives. (laughs) Um, Like it's very, very, you know, I don't know. There's even shaky cam running down the stairs following them. Yeah. Um, And then we get one of multiple, very strange rugby references um in jessica jones which is that gina very quickly informs jessica that andre her husband went out drinking with his rugby buddies which is just fascinating to me i love rugby don't get me wrong it is my favorite sport but it's interesting to me that that is what was picked what Jern? you know uh, i know somebody that's now on a rugby team in new york city that hangs out with a bunch of people I didn't know that, but yeah, is it like the New York City rugby team? Not like a professional one. No, it's like a. I'm not judging. More... I was just curious. New York no, doesn't no, have it's a not professional pro- team. Yeah, no, it's not professional. It's just like this person used to play it in college and now like hangs out with like a bunch of uh, English and Irish people in New York Let City. Let me tell you, on rugby team. Let yeah. me tell you though, learning that they're rugby players, which I did not pick up on when I watched this back in 2015, um, learning that they're rugby players makes the bravado that we see them have in that fight and the smashing of the beer glass on Luke's head, stabbing him in the neck, and then going, it didn't stab you. All <laughs> makes of it like I was like, oh, oh I'm, I get it. I'm there. I'm we're here. Oh friends. yeah. Okay, so um they wrote the scene first and picked the the sport after based on the, the rating. <laughs> okay, we have to we have to we have to talk about yeah. He stabs him and he's like, "Oh, it didn't do anything to you." And right away, I was like, "Oh no, he's quote unquote gifted too." I hate this use of gifted. It drives me up a wall. Listen, they were. <laughs> They had very limited language. They weren't allowed to use mutants. They weren't allowed to use superheroes. They weren't al- all they were yeah, allowed to right. use was but gifted. Then, but then it confuses me because then they they reference the the um New York City. Yeah, the attack on New York, and they yes. reference. But they never call it the attack on the New York. They call it the incident. I know. They never call it the Battle of New York. Yeah, it is always the incident, and they are not allowed to say Captain America, Hulk, yeah, Widow, Iron Man. They do say say they do say the big green guy and his friends because that was the only way they were allowed to refer. Because they also call Captain America the flag waver. Oh, it was the only way they were allowed to refer to the. The third season of Jessica Jones, I think, is where it gets the most interesting with this stuff. Like, no future spoilers, but they are allowed to use something, which was almost surprising. By then, they were allowed to use something, which, like, comes into play then, which is very interesting. Something I didn't pick up on when I first watched this in 2016 is that Luke specifically calling out the Hulk first makes a lot of sense when you remember that he's from Harlem. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah. I love Lucas. 
Um, I don't know we'll if his name is that. Lucas or just Luke, but I love him. Um, I do. He's great. It's short for Lucador. 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 <laughs> Lucador Cage. Um, Lucador Cage match. <laughs> I am <laughs> unwell. Um, but yeah, so Jessica goes running over to the bar to help Luke. There's a brawl. She throws a man across the bar. And then when Luke is like, yo, what the fuck was that? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, it's it's my favorite thing. It's her just being like, adrenaline. Yeah. It's like, adrenaline, yeah. who, who, believe, who is going to believe that, <laughs> bitch? Or the, the biker that yells at Malcolm and she just goes, Pilates. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pilates. It's my favorite thing. Um. Yeah. Uh. So Jessica and Luke obviously now know that each other are gifted, but Luke is like still mad at her and like kicks her out. And it's a whole fucking thing. So then we cut to Jessica going into Metro. Well, no, she goes up to a. I don't know. In New York City, there are like car shops on the side of the highway. I don't know why they're there, but like they're scary. They have nowhere else to put them. Yeah, and they're scary. <laughs> they're not a good time. Yeah, it's um, also one of the few places because I lived near a place in Boston that actually looked a lot like like around the corner from my house was a place that looked like this type of road and had a car shop there. It's kind of the only places where cars can like go and turn in that type of way. And like you have room if you need to take one car out of the shop to bring another in. Yeah, I guess. Um. Anyways, she goes up to one of the mechanics um, who I believe starts speaking to her in rapid Polish. Um, but it's, you know, a language. You can tell he's being gross, though. And she's like, hey, if somebody got in an accident, uh, what hospital would they get brought to? Which is a very strange way to ask, where's the nearest yeah. hospital? <laughs> um, and the guy basically snaps at her for not being polite. Um, she starts to walk off. He tells her the nearest one is Metro General, about six, six blocks down that way. Uh, Jessica turns around and walks away. The guy yells after her, a rude woman is a lonely woman, and it made me want to break a window. Good. And, like, I know that that's the point. Like, that's the, what they're going for, but, like, throughout the entire show, but it, like, ooh, it makes me want to rage. Um. So she sneaks into the hospital and impersonates a nurse. We get a very, I don't know why this scene is so funny to me, but her going into the um locker room and just grabbing the locks and pulling them off because she's strong enough to do that brings me such joy because imagine coming back after your shift and being like how the fuck did this even happen like this yeah. wasn't clipped they were pulled yeah. apart <laughs> like, yeah like me and my co-workers locks were pulled and the best case scenario was that they found none of her none of their stuff was stolen which is weird and then what worse is just with one pair of scrubs just like oh damn i'm out scrubs but like why is that all this person stole yeah and then like the idea the idea is the big thing where you're like true but if she assuming they find that all after she gets out as well like it's wild um so yeah she goes to metro general pretends to be a nurse and is able to learn that jack denton was the uh emt that drove kilgrave from the bus accident to the hospital um and that jack no longer works and that he was fired and that he stole the ambulance for some unknown fucking reason <laughs> so she goes to um track down jack denton um and runs into an old woman who's like who are you why are you here what are you doing <laughs> very suspicious old woman <laughs> and uh 
basically is like i she says that she's a private investigator for the state she's looking into what happened she can possibly get the ruling that he stole the ambulance and all that shit reversed she goes inside and finds out that denton has had a stroke which is very confusing to jessica because denton is far too young to have a stroke and you know he's hooked up to all these machines he's in a wheelchair he can't talk um you know oh god all that stuff um she basically says you're too young for a stroke uh at which point his mother who this is when i lose all respect for his mother goes well that happened after the surgery what surgery he donated both his kidneys bitch what they found your son in an alley with no kidneys and you went donated what? Yeah. Why are the cops yeah. not like black market? Black market. Come on. And she calls him a hero for doing so, and it's like, <laughs> it is like it is it is a new stage of denial. Yeah. That this woman is in. It's unreal. That's yeah, kind of uh, crazy. Yeah. This character, this character is the one that like freaks like that. That type of hell, I think, is like maybe further than hopes in my head for some reason that idea of like being trapped in your own body and not being able to move oh same it's an allegory no (laughs) (laughs) um but he is now on because he has no kidneys he's on 24 7 dialysis um it's insane and jessica says rightly so hey this shit is expensive like who's paying for it and the mom's like oh an anonymous guy and Jessica's like oh that's sketch as fuck she tracks in the machine to dr david karada um and finds him teaching like really basic science in a university class and this man is clearly fucking dying inside. <laughs> like this poor man is really just dying inside when she goes into this class He's, you know, it honestly made me feel a little bit bad about, like, because this is who I was in science class in college. I don't know how to do science, my man. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I just love, he. as soon as he spots her, he just, he just goes for it. He sprints so far. <laughs> but do you know what I love? He thinks to fake her out. I also just want, there's no way that the show could give this to us. I want the text messages of the undergraduates in my class who were like, what the fuck just happened? If um, if, um, this was today, they'd be like TikToking it. They'd be like, our professor's just running amok. (laughs) Uh, Well, I feel like I would film it too. Like, I don't... Our professor pretended to die on the floor once and couldn't get up and we... (laughs) How how let's, shitty let's were, were you, how shitty would you have felt if it wasn't fake? Oh, terrible! We all talked about it. That's part of the reason we filmed it. Is we were all terrified for this man's health. <laughs> like to be clear, our concern with this man was not even like he's a bad teacher. He was a perfectly fine teacher. We were just convinced he was going to die, like in front of <laughs> us, and none of us wanted to go through that. <laughs> like, oh and we got very nervous because like he couldn't get up and was old and so when he did get up it the like leveling out of like his equilibrium like didn't it's that thing where like the the liquid in your inner ear moves a little too fast yeah. and get dizzy um and so we almost fell over oh and so God. like we were just all like we felt like we needed evidence that we didn't murder this old man that no that's fair um, we were very concerned for his well-being <laughs> It snows a lot in Buffalo. Like, that's not safe. 
There was also um, someone in that class who, in that text message chain, just went, does this mean we can leave? Can we leave now? Oh, yeah. I feel like I would absolutely be like, I'm leaving. I will maybe tell a cop on my way out, but I'm going home. And, like, calling my mom and smoking a lot of weed. <laughs> like, this has been a very weird day for me. Um. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, she goes chasing him through the school into the basement. Um. When they get into the basement... Dr. Rada asks if Kilgrave is with Jones. Um, she says no, that he hasn't sent her. She's trying to stop him. Uh, Karada admits that he, uh, Kilgrave forced him to operate on Jack, take both of his kidneys, give them to Kilgrave because one of his kidneys was like damaged beyond repair in the accident. And then after they removed that, the second one started to go with is something called crush, crush Syndrome, which is why the show is called Crush Syndrome. The episode is called Crush Syndrome. Um, and that he was forced to, like, order the machine and all that kind of crap. Uh, Jones asks him how if he was controlled he was controlled if Kilgrave was unconscious where Karada reveals that he was not unconscious. He did the surgery with Kilgrave just being under local anesthetic, which Jesus Lord almighty. Gross. Karada tells uh, Jessica that this happened because uh, Kilgrave was afraid to be put under because he thought it would affect powers, his like abilities to tell people what to do. Jessica through this realizes that, um, being unconscious neutralizes Kilgrave's powers and forces Karada to tell everything he knows to the police and Hogarth. Uh, Hogarth takes on Hope's case and through talking to Hope at the prison learns that Jessica was also a victim of Kilgrave. Um, meanwhile, uh, we get to see more of Kilgrave in the present when he forces a, fa a random family to welcome them into the his apartment and proceeds to do such things as making the children lock themselves in a closet. Um, terrified me terrified me to no yeah. end i was like oh my god these poor children i may have made this up but i'm pretty sure they're they're left in there while their parents were murdered um no he has dinner with them yeah we don't see whether or not he murders them he murders everybody <laughs> good you remember in a, the next episode how when the cop has done what Kilgrave told him to do goes to leave he tells the cop to kill himself that's his thing <laughs> like that's the vibe um anyway uh Jessica returns home to her home to find Luke Cage waiting for her holding a circular saw like a creep um and he tells her he saw her use her strength and holds the circular saw to his skin until it breaks because it cannot cut through his skin. Terrifying. Um, <laughs> it's wild. So cool. Uh, and the episode ends and we go right into AKA It's Called Whiskey. Um, we start with a flashback to when Jessica Jones was under control of Kilgrave. She killed Reva Connors. Um, and the death was so unnatural and so jarring to Jessica that she was able to resist Kilgrave and walk away. As he attempted to regain control, that is when a bus flipped in an attempt to avoid hitting them, also hitting the body of Reva Connors. So it all kind of went down as Kilgrave died, the woman died, Jessica walked away, it went down as a bus accident. This has haunted Jessica, we find out this is why she's been like stalking Luke and why she bugged, because the it's luke's wife um which whoa 
And he only knows about the bus accident, not that his wife was actually murdered. Um, we also, now that they have found out that they're both gifted, they're like, well, we don't have to hold back while we fuck anymore and fucking <laughs> go to town. Again. Good lord. Multiple times. They just have sex for like 15 minutes. Okay, so I had a theory. What? I'm ready. You know how like when you get a superpower, you get all the – people don't mention your other superpowers that are there to basically help you. Like technically the Flash can't just run fast. He also has to have the ability for his skin to stay on his body. Like that's the yeah. thing. Spider-Man has the durability to like have his shoulder not yanked out of his arm when he swings like a pendulum. Do you think the increased sex drive is like part of the <laughs> – is part of the superpower? I just really think it's Luke has been holding back. It's a, I don't mean to make another reference to Twilight, but it's a lot like Twilight where it's canonically in the book. The sex with Edward is bomb because Edward is just like basically Luke. Like you can't really break his skin. Like he's super, super strong. Like, like I think it's just, I don't, I don't know. Superman once fucked Wonder Woman so hard. There was an earthquake beautiful similar energy you know like mm -hmm. it's all kind of the same thing um anyway <laughs> uh so also while this is happening fucking reuben from downstairs we've learned that reuben and robin are twins which is a whole I other level of gross also no i didn't need to know <laughs> I had never put together that there is a crazy character in the boys who works as like a PR person for the team of superheroes that Starlight, Aaron Moriarty, Hope is on. It's Robin. It's this bitch. And she's just as creepy and crazy in the boys. Good. Oh, I fucking hate her character in the boys. He, oh, she makes me mad. Yeah, I, I, I know more things happen with the twins I just don't remember why they make it so weird. Like, their relationship's so fucking weird. I don't know, but I remember in college, it made you wildly uncomfortable. Yeah. We it, used to talk about it a lot. Like, Jordan hated them. It would make any normal person uncomfortable. I'm not saying it didn't make me uncomfortable. Jordan just, like, he would bring it up in conversation when we talked. Like, <laughs> it had no purpose. Like, like, I like, can't it, stand it, them. It, it was like, it, the weird incestual implications had no purpose they could they could still be very loud white trashy like trailer trash neighbors in new york city without like kind of this weird aura of like are they fucking yeah, yeah. i guess yeah um yeah it's just like a lot for me um but yeah, so he's watching and Jessica sees him and he's like, Robin says you guys need to be quiet. And she just slams the door in his face. I, Ruben makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> um, See, the sister makes me more uncomfortable. For him, I'm just like, you... you're a man. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. <laughs> like, you're a dude. You've never had a guy be really, really weirdly, like, invasive like that. Yeah. Before. Um, like you're not afraid of Ruben like doing things to you besides maybe murdering you but I understand you being afraid of Robin carrying out the plot of misery on you it, it's also I feel like she's the the she alpha your leg with a typewriter oh god no I just never like <laughs> he drops a typewriter on the guy's leg and like that's Wait. why he's stuck in bed <laughs> Oh my god. Where? In misery. 
Oh. It's a Stephen King novel that's a movie, and he the main character is a very, very famous author whose car breaks down outside a lady's house. He goes up, finds out she's a super fan. She fucking shatters his legs, so he has to stay there, and she can take care I, of him. I don't want to finish the thought I was about to have. It's nuts, guys. It's a crazy no. movie. I've seen an adaptation of it, but you're not going to be happy. What? An there's, a fa- of it. there's a Family Guy episode where they adapt like three Stephen King novels and that's one <laughs> yeah. of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Uh, I won't explain why I'm more afraid of Robin. I don't want to sound sexist. I'm sorry. It's International Women's Month. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jordan. Um, Thank you for the... We, the women appreciate that you decided you. that you didn't want to talk shit about the I'm shitty woman character. You know what I'm realizing, though? We waited so long for season two of this show because at the top of this, I said the, the premiere date was November 20th, 2015, and this was Netflix. They dropped everything at once. The second season came out on International our Women's senior- Day 2018. Yeah, it was our senior year. Yeah. It was during I watched the pilot backstage at Hamlet. God. Wasn't it after Defenders? I don't remember. Yes. Because I feel, yeah, yes. Defenders. Yes. Yes, it was after. Because when Defenders. me and you watched Defenders, it was not after we graduated. I was also going through going through it that summer. And so I spent a lot of time with you. <laughs> um. Anyway. <laughs> uh, Jessica goes looking for alcohol to like drown her feeling she goes to a convenience store where they're listening the guy is listening to some call-in show where they're talking about a murder case and just letting anyone in new york call in yeah my favorite trope and i won't even just say marvel media i'll say in like just superhero media where it's like anybody can call in like there's the the tiktok of a guy going of, of that show that giuliani used to have where like anybody could call in and he had that beef with the guy with the ferrets who was mad because he couldn't have more than five ferrets in an apartment in New York and Giuliani wouldn't do anything about it. I'm surprised. It. Google Giuliani versus cells. ferret guy. I'm surprised it's legal <laughs> to have even a single ferret in New York. I'll be it honest. is allowed to ha- you are allowed to have, I think, two in New York City in an apartment. And the guy wanted like five and him and Giuliani like get in fights and Giuliani calls ferrets like vermin and like <laughs> it's I highly recommend go on YouTube at some point and search Rudy Giuliani versus the ferret guy. It'll come up and it's fucking weird. Um, This call show reminds me of this TikTok I saw once where it was just captioned guy in every Spider-Man movie. And it was somebody with like a fake New York accent going, I don't know who he is, but he's a hero. I work a non-discreet construction job. Which is like the vibe in Marvel. They're just like, yeah, Joe Schmoes are going to have yeah. the, their opinions on the gifted superheroes. I know. And it's always it's always the most stereotypical, like, New York character that you could ever write. Like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're absolutely crucifying hope. Somebody compares her to the son of Sam, which is just like. And she makes some comment about how, like, she's like, we felt bad for him in our terror. No one felt bad for the son of Sam. No one was like, oh, the dog told him to do it. This poor guy. No, everybody was like, you're fucking crazy. Like, maybe the dog did tell you to do it, but you're fucking insane. Um, Like, nobody. Women dyed their hair in New York City in record numbers and were, like, cutting off their hair and not wearing it certain ways because of the son of Sam. No one felt bad for this motherfucker. (laughs) 
there are so many serial killers you can pick from that period of the America's history that people did have a lot of like, oh, it's usually the attractive ones and who were like monsters and tried to claim that something else made them do it. Son of Sam is not one of them. <laughs> like, he's just not one of them. I see the first half of the comparison where they're like, oh, she said a man told her to do it. And he said the dogs told her to do it. Doesn't mean he didn't do it. It's the, we all felt bad for him. I'm like, no, no one did. Yeah. We barely believed him that the dog told him to do it. <laughs> we didn't even, we didn't even, in, like, he didn't even try, like, murder, like, a mental, um, he wasn't allowed to do a mental defect fucking defense the judge wouldn't let him like none of us believed him that the dog told him to um they had to call dr doolittle into the courtroom to talk to the dog on the witness stand. well okay again it wasn't the dog it's that the devil possessed the dog and talked to this uh, david berkowitz As through he does. the dog rather than i never understood why the devil wouldn't talk to you through the old man why would he choose to inhabit a dog and then make the dog speak english like i feel like for the devil to possess you and may force you to say something i feel like you still have to have like a voice box like that or like the type of voice box that like humans have and like our mouths i don't like i don't know and i know he's not being able i know but like yeah i get what you're saying where like it's not an intelligence thing it gets to a point where it's just a biological thing their mouths can't make these noises yeah their tongues cannot do what our tongues do they do not have teeth to make sounds like i just i don't know the dog always felt like a weird part of the lie to me um because none of us believed the possession storyline anyway. So, like, if he had been, like, the old man, none of us would have been, like, well, if the old man's saying he didn't tell you, the dog didn't tell you either. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't. I I want to know who came up with the dog. Was it the defense attorney or was it David Berkowitz? I think it was him. Do you think if he used, like, a parrot that people would have believed him? No. <laughs> like. They have, they have the ability. Definitely not. Because there wasn't even, like, a rhyme or reason besides, like, the type of woman he would kill. Like, it's just very weird. Like, ma'am. Um, anyway. <laughs> uh, Good rant. Good rant. They also, like, one of the guys, what I do appreciate is how much in the show they roast the name Kilgrave. Um, I do. We get more of that later, and I do really appreciate people being like, "What the fuck kind of name is Kimberly?" It's terrible. It's stupid, and that's his real name. <laughs> like oh, he didn't make it up. His that name makes is Zebediah Kilgrave. That makes it even sadder. <laughs> you didn't know his first name was Zebediah. Jordan? I forgot. Yeah, that's his first name, Zebediah, like the kid from Children of the Corn, or is that Zechariah? I'm making a um, lot of Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. I say I forgot his name was that. I guess that makes sense. Because how fucking weird would it be if it was just like Jonathan Kilgrave? Plus, <laughs> when we meet his parents later on, no future spoilers, but when we meet that, whoa. <laughs> like, your son would be named Zebediah. Um, it always makes me think of Jebediah from... Boy Meets World and how they did that poor man dirty. Justice for Jebediah. I don't like that he goes from this goofy fucking doily wearing guitar maker motherfucker to like a sleazy Italian guy who yeah, his life. Like Jebediah deserved better. 
Victoria, uh, I mean, Liren walked me through this with Topanga's dad the other day. <laughs> and my my headcanon was that he got hair plugs and plastic surgery and then decided to like live out his best slutty life. Good. Uh, that's a beautiful headcanon. Yeah, no, they, they, they really like F up Topanga's home life. <laughs> Just to, like, give that relationship some more toxic-ass drama. Like, it's so... Oh, God. Also, justice for Corey Matthews. Like, I'm sometimes like, "Mm, Topanga's... You was mean to you. Very mean to you. But you also were kind of, like, gross to her. It's a weird relationship. I worry about Michael Jacobs sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) It's, like, been been re-watching it like it's cute in the beginning like in the early stages when they're young but she gives up Yale for him yeah no it's when yeah it's when they they're later when they're older it feels very toxic okay side side tangent but real quick I saw this thing that was like the the ship that you loved from ages 11 to 14 will always be your favorite and it doesn't matter how terrible they are. And I was thinking of Corey and Topanga, but then I also thought of uh, Eric and Donna from that 70s show. And I was like, they were such a healthy, like young teamed couple. And I've like I never seen that. On TV. There's no world where they are married. That Eric- world. Eric and Donna? Oh, yeah. No, I agree. She is... Eric is not a bad person. Well, he gets a little shitty towards the end. But, like, Eric is not a bad person. Donna is just so much better than him. She is, like, meant for so much more than, like, staying in Wisconsin. At the very least, yeah, she's so much better than Point Place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Their relationship, though, is, like, very wholesome and lovely in that show. I will just always be bitter that, like, I never knew what their end goal with them was because I will die on the hill that that kiss they have in the finale feels like them kissing goodbye and, like, feels like them being, like, hey, you running off to Africa, like, really fucked everything up. And, like, I can survive without you and without Point Place and, like, I'm ready to. Um, It never felt like, oh, oh, we're getting back together and, like, I don't know. It just bums me out. Anyway. (laughs) Um. Yeah. So then Jessica starts researching anesthesia, trying to figure out how to get it so that she can neutralize Kilgrave. Um. She uh, then goes to Jerry and screams at Jerry, saying, "Hey, they're crucifying Hope. You need to make it stop." Uh, Jerry's basically, like, "I'm not going to sacrifice my own reputation by saying mind control is real." Is basically like, "Find other victims of Kilgrave, and we'll defend you." Um, she can't, Jessica realizes she can't, like, come to Hope's defense herself because then Kilgrave will know where she is. Um, and she basically tells Jerry, stop being shitty at your job and do something. (laughs) Um, It's just (laughs) to me that, like, not even a majority of that, of citizens, but that, like, even Jerry doesn't go, listen, we have somebody from the 40s who's still alive a giant man who can call lightning for my hammer exists like we know that yeah maybe somebody can't control minds what the fuck do i know anymore like this just seems like a period where people would believe anything i'm not saying that and like a you should use that you know to your advantage thing but like 
at this point, discovering that somebody has the ability to like mentally manipulate somebody doesn't seem that far-fetched. Yeah, no, I kind of agree. Especially in the city where the 90% of this stuff happens. Yeah, yeah. Like, I understand that we're, this isn't where we are now. We're like Captain Marvel within the MCU, like, is like a household name, literally. But still, yeah. like, this is, this is kind of that turning point. We're like, yeah, yeah, this, these people exist. Yeah. Uh, so then Jessica goes to a clinic and we meet Jerry's soon-to-be ex-wife, um, Wendy Ross Hogarth. Um, who and asks her for anesthesia as if that's something a clinic doctor can give you. I, I know, crying, but like what? Like she's doing her best here, but this is is not the move. <laughs> yeah, um, Wendy is like, no, but I'll write you antipsychotic medication. <laughs> uh, so Jessica goes to Trish and is like, hey, do you any know any sketchy, shitty doctors? Um, and this is where we get the answer behind why Trish has all of these bruises, uh, because she has turned her home into a fortress and trains daily in Krav Maga so that she will be able to protect herself from threats and that, and I quote, uh, nobody is able to touch me without my consent anymore. Um, ultimately, Jessica takes Malcolm to the hospital, throws him into a nurse and steals the medication, which I mean, like, it works. It's fine. <laughs> like, it's just, it's very funny to me that she's like, I'm gonna, uh, I'm really sorry for this. And then just throws him into a human. With um, a cart. With a cart. Like, I think urine and blood specimen. Which is gross. Very. <laughs> um. So then uh, we find out, it's the next day, we find out from Trish that she has sent up a um, live from prison radio interview with Hope so that she can talk about her own experiences. During the interview, Jerry fucking railroads her and's like, you see, clearly my client is insane, which, why the shit are you doing that? Which, which is, this is part of what pisses me off about what I was saying before, where I feel like I get Jerry not wanting to be the the first lawyer to say like, I'm going to use the mind control defense and that have Trish, Trish be like, Hey, we kind of live in a world where this is reasonable. But I feel like if they, and I get that Jerry's not supposed to be like the best, but like if she sat down with Trish and they like arranged that, Hey, this is going to be how we start this kind of campaign to be like, this could be real. Let's be honest here. It may, it would be so much better for both the show and her case, but instead she decides to be like, nah, I'm gonna pull a fast one on you. But this fast one doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, Trish comes to Hope's defense um, to her listeners and then starts going off about Kilgrave being impotent and having mommy issues. And like, it's one of those times it happens a lot where you're like, Trish, please stop talking. Stop talking <laughs> right now. Um, and is basically what we've been saying this whole time. She's like, the Avengers, shouldn't say the Avengers, but I'm going to. The Avengers defended them from, like, an alien attack. So, like, the idea of a guy who can, like, tell people, force people to do something isn't that, like, far-fetched. Um, which, of course, and, like, I do really like, and it kind of, like, hit me, the, the allegory for this being, like, grooming and, like, cults and brainwashing and all that kind of stuff, which that is a very real thing. But, yeah, this is how people would respond to it. And it's gross it is gross um i'm not sure i understand (laughs) 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 
Um, Trish then takes callers' questions and Kilgrave calls, um, and basically is like, "What if I told you to kill yourself?" Um, and that it's dangerous to taunt such a powerful man. Um, and we see Hope just absolutely losing it, hearing his voice, and like it's a very, a very intense scene. Um, and as they're leaving, because Jessica knows that this just put a target on Trish's back, um, a man runs up behind Trish, grabs her arm. Trish thinks that he's from Kilgrave and like assaults him essentially. Um, and they run out of the station and go straight to Trish's apartment since it's a fucking fortress. Um, meanwhile, a cop shows up and I forgot God damn about it, him. Oh, I forgot oh, about him until I when saw Simpson him. rolled up. I was like, oh God, I forgot about this and what this meant in 2015. I forgot all about this man. Um, and so we meet Officer William Simpson, uh, who is trying to get Trish to open her door. Trish is being very good, being like, maybe I should call my lawyer. Can I see identification? All this stuff. And then she's just broken down and opens the door. Obviously, he tries to murder her and starts strangling her. Oh, man. I think this is the where I wrote the note that said, this show is going to give me a panic attack. <laughs> yeah. Um. So... Uh, as she's just being brutally assaulted, Jessica, who has a tracker on Trisha's phone and has been listening in, hears everything. She pops in because she can, like, kind of fly where she can jump, basically, like, as high as she really wants, high. but then has yeah. to catch herself and, like, climb back up. Um, So she comes in, <laughs> fucking starts beating the shit out of Simpson throws him, convinces him that he kills Trish. We then see that she has given Trish anesthesia to knock her out and make her appear dead so that uh, Simpson can stop attacking and go tell Kilgrave that he has, in fact, killed her. So she follows, drops her Trish's phone into Simpson's pocket and follows Simpson directly to Kilgrave, where he's sitting in this massive apartment that I, uh, uh, I'm i guessing he is holding that family under mind control. I'm assuming that's who lives there, is that family that comes out swinging in a little while. Um, but he's sitting on the couch as, um, Simpson comes in and is like, yo, I killed her. It's done. Uh, he tells Simpson to go. Simpson starts to walk down the stairs. He tells him not that way, that way, and points to, uh, the balcony, uh, implying that he needs to kill himself. Uh, Jessica runs from where she's watching Kilgrave from the skylight where none of them can see her to stop Simpson from, uh, committing suicide. She jumps off to the balcony, grabs him, throws him back. The noise startles Kilgrave away from his rugby game. He is sitting there watching a rugby game, which is why I was very confused as to when he said it's two different. So in the wide shot, it's soccer. There is a soccer net, but then they go into a close up shot on the television, like two in like two minutes. And it's a rugby scrum. And, like, there's nothing in soccer that looks like a rugby scrum. So, like, I, think, I was very confused. I think they had an intern Google sports in England. <laughs> rugby and soccer yeah. came up, and they did two different takes and used two different cuts. Probably. Yeah. It was very interesting. Um, anyway, so um, we get this really great moment of Jessica and Kilgrave seeing each other for the first time since this all started. Um 
Jessica starts chasing after Kilgrave as he tries to escape this family that we can guess lived in this apartment and Kilgrave has under control. Uh, he tells them all that Jessica cannot chase him, so they're all trying to kill her. She has to knock them all out, which she doesn't want to do, but unfortunately it's all she can do. Um, while Kilgrave escapes, Jessica discovers a room covered wall to wall with her pictures as Kilgrave taunts her that he will see her later. And we Ter- Terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. Uh, Jessica returns to um, Simpson and jumps from the balcony with him to uh, make it seem like he committed suicide so he weren't wouldn't keep trying to kill himself because that's how Kilgrave kind of works. Um and after ensuring him that he did not kill Trish Walker, she sends him on his way uh, and heads back to Luke Cage, where she says uh, that she can't date him anymore, which makes Luke very, very upset. Um, she then heads outside and realizes that the balcony she used earlier to spy on Luke Cage is one of the places that Kilgrave has a photo of her. So, like, someone's really been stalking her. Yeah. Um, And we jump into the last episode that we will cover in this lecture, episode four, a.k.a. 99 Friends. Uh, While researching who could be the photo-taking spy for Kilgrave, Jessica receives a case from a woman, Audrey Eastman. Now I'm going to give you each one guess. Do you know who that actress is? I know two things she is. I only know um, one. She's, um, I forget, Susan from Friends. She's Susan, yeah. And- Three in a row for this podcast. She plays uh, Walter White's ex-girlfriend in Breaking Bad. Interesting. But yes, that's- It's a whole thing. I can explain it to you off off, uh, mic. Yeah, we don't need to talk about it right now. Um, Oh, okay. I had to look her up. I like couldn't think- Carol's wife. Carol. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, So yes, Audrey Eastman is a jewelry designer who got rich after her mother passed away. Uh, Audrey believes her husband is having an affair when he leaves work on Friday nights and is late getting home. She's very specific that Jessica needs to get photos of him in the act for the divorce and says a lawyer at uh, Jerry Hogarth's law firm referred her. Uh, Jones takes the case kind of warily. Um, because she doesn't really understand what Audrey's deal is. She follows Audrey around for a while, finds her in an abandoned bar shooting dummies, and, like, is, like, something bad is happening, but, like, I don't really know what it is yet, so we're just gonna (laughs) keep on rolling. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be that she she was gonna, you know, try to kill her husband and his mistress. The first time you watched this, you mean? No, I completely forgot about this episode. Oh, like, <laughs> like, like, I'm this entire today. scene is burnt into my brain. Um, I love this scene. Um, meanwhile, Trish is traumatized from her near-death experience, and it just gets worse because Will Simpson cannot leave her the fuck alone and tries to, like, break into her apartment because he's convinced he left a dead body in there and needs to see that she's not dead. Uh, Jessica arrives and kind of, like, is like, hey, she's good. I promise she's good. Go away. Like, but Simpson insists that he wants to help find Kilgrave and that he will cover Jessica's six, which is cringy as hell. Um, <laughs> how else are we supposed to know that he's a cop that doesn't always play by the rules? And like a, and like a military guy. Yeah. Um, Forgot about that. Jessica brings Trish uh, back to her studio so that she can go on air and publicly apologize to Kilgrave for insulting him in another scene that makes my blood fucking boil. <laughs> I hate this scene. It's really well written. It's just her like, Ugh, it's gross. Yeah. Mm. 
Um, and when she walks out after and goes, I have to, I want to take a shower. Yeah, mood. <laughs> Me too. Um, Jerry Hogarth uh, is taking her mistress because they're not divorced yet out to lunch runs into her wife and we find out that this bitch made reservations with her and her mistress at the restaurant that she proposed to her wife to it and her wife and the mistress have this moment of like fuck jerry what the shit psychotic something i notice that's a really weird comparison that maybe because you're smarter than me can dive into more is that like Kilgrave also does the thing where he takes the people out to the same exact restaurant and orders the same exact meal. Like he uses the same moves Mm -hmm. and we got Jerry doing it not out of the same level of evil and not out of these mind manipulation powers, but it's still kind of like, I don't know. I just feel like that's a weird symbolism. Well, it's also like Jerry (laughs) in this episode is like, oh, the way he could use his gift, and Jessica rightly so loses her shit on her. Uh, Um, Oh oh, man, I almost like threw up when she said that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh god, I love that. I love that entire scene. Jordan. Jordan again is mouthing lesbian Republican. (laughs) Uh anyway, uh so Jerry, then we get a scene of her calling Jessica with an emergency. Jessica arrives and finds Hogarth's office overrun with people who want to prove that Kilgrave used his power on them. Um, Hogarth reminds Jessica that she owes her one. And Jessica Hogarth and I'm assuming a very, very unfortunate paralegal have yep. to go in to do a camera interview of each person to de- determine who was used and who is just seeking an excuse for their own inappropriate behaviors. Ultimate this, ultimately, this creates the Kilgrave Victim Support Group. Um, Which, like, is, like, weirdly, like, cute and makes me, like, a little emotional. <laughs> we, that's the other thing about Jessica that, like, I is part of the reason I love Jessica. Jessica is a good person. She's just so convinced that she's not a good person that she refuses to see anything she does as, like, helping other people. However, yeah. when Jerry goes, yes, you are a paragon of mental health. However, I was like... Okay, you can't really be mad about this. <laughs> like, yeah. um, Jessica then decides to ask Simpson for police surveillance footage of certain places to try and find out who has been spying on her, but the process takes forever. It's a ton of fucking hours of video. Um, while taking a break, she goes back to the convenience store to get another bottle of whiskey and is stopped by an eight-year-old girl who tells her that Kilgrave has forgiven Patsy Walker and all sorts of other creepy shit. Doesn't she have a job? You're a bitch. You left me there to, in the street to die like a dog. Uh, do your job. It's Friday. Jessica asks her what that is and grabs her by the arm. Uh, that breaks the thing or whatever. Or Kilgrave walks far enough away at that point that it breaks. The mom is like, what the fuck are you doing? It's like a whole to-do. Jessica runs off. I also figured it was that, like the kid said everything she was supposed to say. And so kind of yeah. like when Simpson lands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <coughs> everything's fine. Uh, so then Jessica is still, you know, like going after Audrey for being fucking Audrey. Um, and is following Carlo. Carlo goes into a building. Jessica follows, sees him like fooling around with somebody through the door and then gets a call from Audrey and realizes Audrey is posing as her husband's mistress so they can get Jessica into this room 
taking a photo of him cheating so they can kill her because she's gifted. And since the Avengers destroyed a building during the Battle of New York that killed her mom, and she watched her mom get crushed under rubble, she wants to kill all the gifted people. And Jessica, it's blocks- so it's so convoluted. I was it's like, so "What is happening?" <laughs> yeah, and it's also like it's. It sounds like them trying to set up like the mutant struggle way too the early. I- Yes, and it's also absolutely the idea of murdering somebody made Audrey horny as fuck, and she had great, great sex with Carlo. And so Carlo was like, Yeah, let's murder gifted people. <laughs> we can have this kind of sex. Yeah, if you're going to keep this energy. And that's not a joke. That is a real thing. Look it up. Yeah. Um, look up Folia de. They think that that is truly what causes it, is that like the idea of killing somebody riles the two of you up so much that you have really really good sex and so you kill somebody so that you can get to that feeling again and continue to have that sex that I'm is just a, a man. real I'm thing not gonna act happens. like i'm too strong to fall for that we don't know <laughs> um, anyway i'm blowing right by that one so jessica bluffs that she's bulletproof and that if she's shot she will take the bullet out of her rune jacket and shove it up audrey's ass with her pinky finger um audrey calls her bluff and shoots her in the shoulder <laughs> Um, she, Audrey explains to a very confused Jessica that gifted people called the death of her mother by allowing the incident to happen getting angry Jessica starts trashing the apartment saying she had nothing to do with the incident and that Audrey and her husband should go after the big green guy or the flag waver Audrey merely replies that this is a preventative measure for me- next time uh, Jessica's breaking glass throwing chairs like making it really seem like she's going to murder these people calling them out, calling the Eastmans out for thinking they're the only ones who with pain or have lost something she reveals that she is the same as Audrey she lost her own parents in an accident but she doesn't blame anyone else for what happened she doesn't attack every shitty driver after calming down she lies to the Eastmans that she has 99 gifted friends who are in New York who will hurt her if they don't disappear immediately uh, I, was gonna, I was gonna ask I was like that's a lie she just makes that up right <laughs> at first I thought it was that she had like tabs on 99 others just being a PI and then she got like two more senses and I was like oh this is all just coming out of her ass to scare them yeah um and right before we leave the Eastmans for good Carlo says I want a divorce uh meanwhile Simpson brings Trish uh an illegal gun yeah that's a lie and they become friends and like it seems they, like they're uh, gonna block they have love. they have a this weird conversation where he talks about like his gi joes at battle and like i don't know why i heard him, that one i heard him talk about this and i was like i need the gi joe barbie battle in the barbie movie <laughs> oh god and he used actual fire to burn down his sister's barbie that's a dream very house. normal thing that is a very normal thing if you don't explain to your child why that behavior isn't okay. Oh. Uh, my mom lost toys that a ton of toys that way because she would play like rescue with her GI Joes and they would like go down storm drains and shit. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, then Jessica sits in on the uh, Kilgrave support group meeting and here's the testimony of Donald about how Kilgrave got in his car while he was at a stoplight and made him abandon his child and act as a chauffeur for Kilgrave for 
Um, Jones begins to ask him questions and learns that Kilgrave would always meet a man in a blue scarf at 10 o'clock sharp. Using this to go through the video, she's able to find out that the photographer is her neighbor, Malcolm Ducasse. Jumping into some fun facts, uh, Kristen Ritter put on 10 pounds of muscle for her role and trained for two months before filming began. Uh, nice. In the comics, Jessica... Yeah. Uh, in the comics, Jessica Jones went to high school with Peter Parker and her father worked for Tony Stark. Uh, Jessica, even like... There's a scene in the comics where you find out that like she had a big crush on and would like discover her body. To uh, Johnny Storm, aka the Human Torch. Good. Um, I thought you had a crush on Peter. I didn't say she sleeps with Johnny Storm. <laughs> you said crush on and discovers her body with. So I thought the crush. Jordan, in high do you school- have a crush on every porn star you jerk off to? No. Exactly. Um. Yeah. Uh, And she ends up getting her powers. Do you really not get it? I do. Okay. I thought, sorry, I thought it was a continuation of the first fact, and that's when I got confused. No. Okay. It's just, like, about how in the comics, she's way more tied into the Marvel world than she is here. Um, And... As we learn in these four episodes, Jessica, she gets her powers from an accident that the accident in the comics is that uh, Tony gave her and her fam- her dad and her their family tickets to Disneyland while they were driving there. They got in an accident. Her entire family died and she gained her powers. In this, we also find out that Luke Cage received his powers from an experiment, which will be explored later. Um Kilgrave in the comics is the purple man where because of a chemical accident he can have mind control powers but he's also literally purple cool. like his skin and he makes the choice to dress in all purple and just be a fully purple man good um his That's character his character is still represented in the show by the color purple and you can see the color purple appear before Jessica has her PTSD flashbacks uh, Patsy Walker, or Trish Walker, is one of Marvel's oldest characters. Originally, she was a teen model who was later revamped into the superhero Hellcat. Um, Mike Coulter put on 30 pounds of muscle to play Luke Cage. Good for him! Good for I that man. I thought he just looked like that. No, I thought he just no. looked like that. <laughs> he put in work. <laughs> Um, the world of the show was originally going to be closer to that of the comics with superheroes already being well-known and established as part of the universe and superpowers being much more ubiquitous. Uh, this changed, however, to match the more subdued Marvel Cinematic Universe, where for the most part, the only publicly known superheroes at the time were the Avengers and to some Daredevil, although the public is at least aware that there are more gifted individuals than just the aforementioned ones. Producer, show creator, straight head writer uh, Melissa Rosenberg wanted to avoid actually showing rape uh, in Jessica Jones, which she called lazy storytelling and often a way to spice up male characters. She preferred just to showcase the rape-related trauma of the characters' everyday lives, uh, which is part of the reason I love this show. 
Good. Yeah. And we'll get no. into more of that as we go forward. We don't need to see it. We don't need to see it. No, well, but we'll get into more of how she like makes very clear what <laughs> happened without showing. No, yeah. I just meant like I agree with her that like it's it's lazy to just show it. Yeah. Um in Luke Cage's first appearance in the show, he's wearing blue jeans and a yellow t-shirt like his co- original comic book costume. Cute. <laughs> um since Jessica is a detective, the show's producers drew heavy influence from the film noir genre. The line between what's legal and not legal gets very blurry. Her drive is not always necessarily to solve the case as much to pay rent and get through her day. Uh, Trish Walker is reminded a few times throughout these four episodes about her former red hair. This is a hint to Hellcat has bright, big red hair. Um and Trish Walker's role in the comics is actually Carol Danvers is Jessica Jones' best friend in the comics. But because Marvel already had the plan for the Captain Marvel movies, they were not allowed to use her in the television show. Um, and they have a very, very interesting history. Carol Danvers and Jean Grey are like a huge part of breaking Kilgrave's control over Jessica. It's great. It's a really, really good storyline. Um, Jessica Jones originally appeared in the Marvel Comics series Alias. This title was changed for the show to avoid confusion with the unrelated Fox series Alias starring Jennifer Gardner. Um, David Tennant is the fourth regular actor from Doctor Who to enter the Marvel Universe. Uh, the other ones include Christopher Eccleston playing Machiath in Thor the Dark World, Jenna Coleman playing Connie in Captain America the First Avengers, and Karen Gillian playing Nebula in Guardians of the Galaxy. Jerry Hogarth is the first lesbian character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> that is a true fact. There is no one doing that one. Um, God. I actually think she was the first openly gay character in the MCU, but uh, like at all of any capacity, but uh, don't quote me on that. Probably. Every episode title is either. I think I think that's true, but like I might be forgetting something from like early phase one or two. So like, well, because didn't they back to Jordan saying something about with the the Eternals with the sex scene? Didn't they say with the Eternals with uh, what's his face? Wasn't he like the first uh, other? Festus. He was the first. Yeah, one. yeah. I don't think there's been anybody else. Unless we count the fucking Russo brother. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Anyway. um, In the Marvel uh, comics, uh, one of Jerry Hogarth's biggest clients is Daniel Rand. Danny Rand, Iron Fist. Uh, Danny's father, Wendell, was a close friend of Jerry and asked him to be the executor of his will. Um. The opening sequence was influenced by the suspense film Rear Window from 1954 and the work of painters Gerhard Richer and Edward Hopper. Um, At least 10 versions of Jessica Jones' iconic motorcycle jacket were made, uh, which started as an Acne Studios leather motorcycle jacket that had, like, all of the bells and whistles and, like, extra design removed from it. And there were 20 pairs of jeans used uh, that were all aged and distressed. Jim Carrey was the original choice for Kilgrave. <laughs> Stop. Oh my god. I here's the thing. I know it sounds ridiculous. I could see it. I can see it too, which is why I'm like I I I get it. I get it. Uh 
Alexandria uh, Daddario, Teresa Palmer, Jessica DeGoy, and Marin Ireland were uh, considered for Jessica Jones before Kristen Ritter was cast. However, showrunner, creator, writer, executive producer, Melissa Rosenberg, had Kristen Ritter at the top of her list for playing Jones, even when she was still developing the show for ABC rather than Netflix. The um, only person on that list... The only person on that list I know is Alexandra Daddario. I don't know. And she looks too dainty. Or too, um, yeah, she looks too nice. Kristen Ritter looks like she could fuck you up. Yeah. Um, the reason for all the episodes having the AKA in them is because they couldn't use Alias in every episode. So AKA, also known as, is very similar to Alias. It was like a cute little in-joke for them. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis, who is the creator of Jessica Jones, uh, saw rough cuts of the first few episodes and showered them with praise, which is why I was so excited for the show before it even came out, because he on Twitter was like, guys, it's everything. It's everything we want it to be, guys. (laughs) Um, Trish Walker is portrayed as a former child star who struggled with early fame manipulation by her mother, substance abuse, and trying to find herself as an adult. As an adult, Ironically, Marvel Studios is owned by Disney, which is known for many of their child actors falling down bad paths. Good. Um, while Kristen Ritter stars as a private investigator in Jessica Jones, early in her acting career, she starred in Veronica Mars along with Kristen Bell, who plays a teenage private investigator. Uh, Kristen Bell investigates Kristen Ritter's on-screen father in the uh, movie. Um, the show was filmed in the New York City area under the codename Violent, Violent, Violet, as a reference to Kilgrave's purple hue. Um, Jessica throwing a man through the alias sign on the door in the very beginning of the pilot is shot for shot from the first panel of the comics. Um, the scene where she's held at gunpoint and bluffs about being bulletproof, that entire thing is also like nearly identical to how it happens in the comics. However, Jessica Jones being adopted by Patsy Walker's mother is a plot point created only for the television series, though her parents do die in the comics and that accident gave her powers. Uh, Trisha's mom was never like, hey, come we'll live with us. <laughs> um, I don't really know why in the show, but we'll get there. <laughs> um, when Jessica uses her powers while serving a summons on Spherus, he yells, you're one of them, which could be a reference to season three of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where normal humans have been turning into superpowered inhumans, which then led to a very short-lived inhuman show that's not good and we all pretend it's not real. <laughs> no 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 literally that is like you could people could say the incredible hulk people could say iron fist so that is truly the biggest stain in the we don't MCU. talk we don't talk about inhumans jordan i know i know you've told me before um just reminding our wonderful students who are listening to our lectures yeah because when what's his face showed up when he in, showed up in, in uh, multiverse, multiverse madness. madness yeah, yeah. um At the beginning of Jessica Jones, a.k.a. Crush Syndrome, Jessica is being interviewed in the police station after Hope has killed her parents. She's being interviewed by Detective Clemens. uh, And Jessica says that she is going to Pennsylvania because of antiquing. Clark Peters, that's his name, plays Detective Clemens. He's also in The Wire. His character in The Wire loves antiquing to the point that he opens an antique shop at the end of the show. Spoilers for The Wire, but it came out in 2001. You've either watched The Wire or you're never going to watch The Wire. So, um... While talking with Jessica, the car mechanic says in Polish, Dobre Zwyzinski, uh, which means good girl. Makes mm. me even more unhappy. 
While posing as a nurse in the emergency department, Jessica Jones refers to two fictional medical television show dramas, the first with Dr. Carter referring to Noah Wiles' character from ER, and the second being Seattle Grace, which is the hospital in Grey's Anatomy. Yeah? Um, uh, the bar brawl was the first time that Kristen Ritter had ever filmed a fight scene in her career, and she accidentally hit the stuntman in the <gasps> face with the phone receiver. Oh my god. Which if I was a stuntman, I would have laughed. I would have been like, honestly, good for you. Um, After Jessica and Luke have sex, one of the many times that they have sex, he says, sweet Christmas, which is his catchphrase in the comic books. And a very weird thing to say after sex. Um, Have you ever had that moment where you're just like, sweet sweet Christmas? Christmas. I hate it. I hate it. I don't. I don't know what sweet Christmas means. I think sweet Christmas speaking it's of like sex a lot like Jesus. porn. I'll I'll know it when I see it. Oh, um, no, I'll, I'll know when the sweet Christmas moment comes. After Jessica helps get Malcolm into his own apartment, Ruben comments, "Everyone's a little bit racist," which is a reference to the song "Everyone's a Little Bit Racist" in Avenue Q. Um. When Jessica goes into the convenience store to buy whiskey, the radio host introduced one of the callers as being from Westchester, New York. Even though they were not officially part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe at this time, this is where Charles Xavier's mansion is located. Um, the cop who tried to kill Jessica's... Who tried to kill Trish works at the same pre- precinct as Sergeant Brett Mahoney from uh, Daredevil. Uh, he will appear later on. <laughs> Uh, episode four is the only episode in which all eight main characters appear. And finally, when Jessica is threatened by her client, Audrey Eastman, for killing her brother, she mentions the green guy and the flag waver, referencing Hulk and Captain America in the first Avengers movie. That's who she meant? I thought it was Iron Man and Thor. <sighs> I'm pausing really quick. I gotta read. And that is our first lecture on Jessica Jones, episodes one through four. Any final thoughts from the class? <laughs> I'm excited for the rest. It's so good, guys. I it's fun. It. And it's such a, it's like, it's a really easy watch. Mm-hmm. And I just like, I don't know. I'm having fun. It's linear. I know what's going on. Um, and sometimes yeah. it's just fun to watch a woman throw a guy across the bar. Like. D- yes. Yeah. Exactly. The. The show's overall tagline later on became fight like a woman, and I loved it. It was in <sighs> all of the marketing. And before Love we go that. into season two, I'll have to send you the song they used to advertise the season because it was, like, such a good choice. <laughs> um, all right. Jordan, any final thoughts? Sweet Christmas. <laughs> uh, you can find all of our social medias all that kind of stuff down in our description be sure to check out all our podcasts over on shared screens uh check out our instagram victoria posts fun memes um and we'll be back next time with the next three episodes with episodes five six and seven of jessica jones until then class is dismissed bye